Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Is Joe Burrow on a golf cart the new cheat code for Mario Kart? What's happening in the league right now besides horribly inconsistent punishments? Will we have a special guest appear to make this show infinitely more interesting? Dr. Hoji the Electric Smoji and Daddy-O Mustache McDuke are currently in Taiwanese airspace, so the brains behind our operation, John Sheeran and I, are together for our own Back Together Tuesday. You found one week of civility right here on the number one Bengals podcast. Oh yeah, these are the shows I live for. I've been doing these for six years, and very rarely do I do we get to do this without the tyrant, the daddy-o, and the free-spirited hoji, but it's just us. It is John Sheeran and Bridget Jenkers. No mispronunciations of our names because we're not like that, but you're watching the Number One Bengals podcast. Uh, Bridget, how's it going? It's good. I'm happy to be back. They sent me over to Europe, daddy-o did, on a little, like, chase to get me away. Who knows what the heck he was doing the last couple weeks so I'm back and clearly he's now in hiding um but how have you been I saw you were at training camp today yeah um clearly like his attempt didn't work but you know we'll, we'll reconvene in a week but training camp was nice um had been a while for me uh due to COVID in the last couple years not allowing fans to watch the practices so first time I've seen like a Zach Taylor practice since 2019 but still haven't seen Joe Burrow yet, and for obvious reasons. Didn't even see him on the cart today, um, but we'll, we'll get into that, but we want to remind everyone where we, where you guys can get this show. You can watch this on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all those all those sorts of apps and whatnot. And also, tell your friends to watch us on Brinks.tv. Uh, Courtney should probably have a new podcast coming out soon this week. Um, I don't know the details. Daddio did not give them to me. He said something about uh, about chips. I don't know if it was like the tortilla or the ones that are, that are in some type of vaccines. But you can find that out on only on Brinks.tv. Um, Bridget, what's up? <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, you can't see Joe Burrow at practice, but it seems like now the best chance you have to see him in Cincinnati is if you're a surgeon. Is that right? I feel like... Man. I hope that's not the trend. I hope that's not the trend. I was literally... I, I was reporting on the site for, like, a couple of days without our boss there, and, you know, all sorts of news is coming out about the Bengals, and there was, like, an hour window where... Like, nothing was happening, right? So I'd, I'd take this opportunity to go to Kroger to get some groceries. And I'm walking out, and I open up my phone, and what do I see but Joe Burrow is having surgery. And I almost drop my phone, like, with all my groceries in it. And then I read the next four words or whatever it says for his appendix. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty normal. My roommate had an emergency appendectomy in college um, when he had no idea what was going on with his stomach. So this is pretty normal. He, he got out of the hospital in a couple of days. With Burrow, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> first, he, he has to deal with COVID, right? He has to deal with that type of offseason where it's all virtual and he can't really see his teammates until, like, the month before the season. Last year, he was 
recovering from reconstructive knee surgery and everything that went with that. He didn't feel himself until probably like November of the of the regular season, and he was dealing with all sorts of pressure going going into the regular season. And now, as training camp is about to begin, it's appendix burst. And he's been seen on the sidelines, I think, for the first time yesterday on the golf cart. You know, he was racing around. Mike Brown out there on the sidelines. Brown has a little bit of experience on him. He's been using that golf cart for like 30 years now. So Burrow had to get some, had to get used to it. He tried the, he tried the scooter. I don't know if you saw this, Bridget, but he tried it at first. That's pretty normal, too. But then he kind of opted to the cart because I think he's got some seniority with him. I heard about the scooter, but I didn't actually see it. Was it like one of the scooters that some of our elders use at like Disney World or the grocery store? Or like, I think this one had a little scooter? bit more dignity to it. Okay. You know, it was, it was kind of pimped out a little bit. I think that like coaches have used it in the past when they've had surgeries. Like uh, they had a linebacker's coach a couple of years ago. I think the, like the last time I was at training camp, the linebacker's coach had like surgery on his leg. And he was getting around with, with with the scooter because he just had to prop his leg up on the back. But yeah, like I feel if if you don't want to be walking around, and there's not there's not anything wrong with like your legs, like you can physically walk, but you don't want to have to you know walk. Actually, <laughs> I guess the cart is better, and like the scooter just just wasn't really feeling for him. But you know, having him on the sidelines, I guess, just around the teammates, at least in public for the first time pretty good for morale it wasn't the first time i guess he was back in the stadium since his his procedure i think he was there friday but it was the first time that people kind of saw him but but we kind of know burrow like he doesn't love to speak when he doesn't have to and he wasn't really there to take comments on how he was feeling but we could just kind of see that yeah he was still kind of feeling reeling from i guess the aftermath of, of the surgery which again is minor in the grand scheme of things but it's going to take him a little bit of time to, for him to feel 100 percent well, first off, I don't even know if there's a way. I wish I could put up my Twitter handle. I need someone to tweet me pictures of the scooter because I want to see it. But, John, I'm curious. Do you think he's going to practice at all before the preseason starts? And or do you think he's going to play in the preseason? I guess that's an and. There's no or there. Yeah. Like, I feel he's – I don't think he's going to play the first preseason game at the bare minimum. I think he might return to practice next week and that's still like uh, kind of an if so the first preseason game is is in two Fridays from now it's August 12th and I don't see him going out on the field at all in pads if he doesn't have at the bare minimum a week of practice under his belt and that would have to begin Thursday or Friday of this week so I'm not I'm not foreseeing him play the first preseason game for sure I think in the days leading up to that game, we could see his return to practice, but the first preseason game, no. What comes after that, I have no idea. We've been down this road before. He missed 99% of the preseason last year. He was on the field for three snaps, and he didn't even throw the ball, or maybe threw the ball like two feet or two inches or something like that. So this, this is not unfamiliar territory, but I would imagine by the time that third preseason game comes around, he would have had at least two weeks of, of solid practice under his belt. Maybe they want to get him in on for a drive before he actually goes out and does it for real. So, um, because we don't have to follow the rules, because we don't have a tyrant here, I have two questions before we move to the next topic. First, uh, we just have to know, can Burrow beat Mike Brown in a golf cart race? Oh, Who's 100%. winning that? No, you know, I, 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 was, I was on Burrow's side initially, but again, Brown has been using that 
for 30 years now. Like, he knows the ins and outs. He knows, like, the secret turbo button that's under the steering wheel. Like, Burrow's very new to this. He just wasn't introduced to it yesterday. There's no chance that a seasoned vet in Mike Brown is losing to a two-lap or a four-lap race with, with Burrow in the cart. I would like to see the track, though. I don't know if it goes, like, in, in like, a, a figure-eight style around the practice fields. Maybe it just goes around the stadium. But I would definitely say that Mike wins that race 100%. And I had it's like a country club community. I feel like that's where like the golf carts are like the official official vehicle of. And I I agree. Mike Brown has that all. We got to remember this is not like your classic golf cart where you like that the members use. This is like the golf cart that the the maintenance workers use to like that's change true. the holes. You know, like it's, <laughs> the, it's, you, the you off, fit some equipment back there. The all terrain golf cart. Yeah, yeah. I'll take so um my other question. What about, so I, I too panicked um, when I saw like the Joe Burrow surgery, but I also then had a moment of panic when I saw the Joe Burrow's bodyguard <laughs> had a little bit of an yeah. injury. So what's the deal with Lowe? Is this, did we expect this? Because it sounds like the, the bulging disc injury is recurring. This is what he had in Dallas. So what's your take on this? What do we think we're gonna see from Lowe? With, with this injury and how do we think it's going to affect him in the preseason yeah like he's compared to everyone else in the offense he's kind of old like he's 29 years old he just turned 29 like a, a couple of days down. ago i mean for for an nfl player he's he's getting up there and i think daddio can attest this because he's 290 years old like his back kind of <laughs> gives him problems and that's just that's just what happens especially when you play a career like 80 or 90 games in the NFL on top of like a full high school and college career so that was yeah you're right that was something that he dealt with in Dallas it wasn't that publicly known about but it's one of the reasons why the Bengals were able to get him so cheap and why the contract negotiations for him were played out the way that they were where a lot of that money is tied to per roster game bonuses they weren't 100% sure that he was coming in with a, a full clean of a, a full clean bill of health so they had questions with his durability because he's missed a lot of time in the last two years, and this is this is just one of those issues. Now, if there was a game to be played, a real game to be played soon, like he would be practicing, he would be ramping up for that. But I think this is one of those injuries, Bridget, where these players they go through a ton of little small ailments here that kind of build up throughout the season, but they play through it, they practice through, it, and we don't really know about it because there is no games to be played right now. This is why teams and coaches kind of take these things a little bit slow just so they they don't like accentuate them they, they don't get worse so i think this is a pretty minor issue in the, in the in the grand scheme of things and if he had to play he would but because he doesn't like there's no need to rush this well we're gonna wish them all a calm but speedy recovery that they exactly. take care and so the board is telling me that next we're going to talk about more good news because after that we're looking at some not so good news that i think john you and i are both going to have a lot of opinions yeah. on so let's talk about the good news and then we'll give the other news uh what whatever time it deserves which maybe isn't even all that much so yeah we have akeem davis gaither is kind of back in action and people don't really remember what he did last year because he was only on the field for like eight or nine weeks but he injured his foot against the browns in that game that we won't speak of and how awful it was and part oh of that was a painful was, one yeah and part of it was because davis gaither got hurt and he had to have season ending in uh, surgery for his foot but he's back and fully healthy as one of the many players who missed a lot of time last season joseph Vasai, you can add him to that list but he had 
a very impressive interception against Brandon Allen, uh, I believe two practices ago now at the time of this recording. And Bridget, I, I feel like in the way that the, that the Bengals defense is kind of structured and the, and the players that they've had and they've accumulated, he was a growing part of that third down defense where he was playing next to Logan Wilson. He was kind of coming onto the field in place of Jermaine Pratt on third down and he was dropping back into, into kind of those intermediate zones and he has a great natural feel for where he is in space and what he can do in terms of reading the quarterback's eyes and as that play that he had in practice proves like the ball skills are still there so for him he's entering year three and he's dealt with injuries going back to the time where he was in college so now he's entering a season where there, there are no concerns about any lingering injuries like that surgery, I think he said, really was necessary regardless of how severe it was just because it basically cleared everything up, right? He's got nothing really on his mind about, hey, is this, is this part of my body going to hold up now? You know, he's entering a critical year for his contract, for just his status in the NFL, and I think the Bengals realize that he has a big role to play in what they want to do. So one of the things that I like about Davis Gaither, and John, tell me if I'm wrong because... I feel like I don't even remember the first half of the season, last season anymore. He seems like like just a cool customer. Like his play style, and he just like he's calm, cool, collected. It's it, it's a little understated. Like he makes big plays, but I don't see him out there like I don't know. He's not like commanding a ton of attention. He's just steady. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what kind of a playmaker do you think he'll be do you like is he going to be like our big playmaker do you think he's going to be our consistent playmaker do you think he's going to be a mix of both yeah you got to remember like he's the son of a coach so i feel like that attitude and mentality that he has about not really like doing too much kind of just doing what he's what he's asked to do and kind of play within his limits i feel like that's kind of ingrained in his play style because of how he was raised uh, by his dad, who coached him for most of his life, I believe, or maybe all, all the way up until college. So I feel like that play style makes a lot of sense for him. And just, I, I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential with him, too, because in college, he was not a traditional linebacker. He kind of played on top of, like, the defensive line on the edge, and then he would drop back, or then he would blitz. He didn't just utilize, you know, traditional run fits, or he didn't do the traditional roles of what like a classic Bengals linebacker usually does. He's kind of that new age defender. He's a little bit more a little bit more lean in his build. He's able to play in space more, but as time goes on in the NFL, you naturally gain a little bit more muscle mass, so you're able to take on contact a little bit more. And also, in terms of just making plays, like he is a critical part of why they have success against the Ravens, and specifically Lamar Jackson. He's on the field for most of the time when they play the Ravens, when they go into those three linebacker sets, because he has the athleticism to get out to the edge and force Lamar Jackson to kind of cut back to the other 10 defenders that the Bengals have to stop him. So his athleticism and his ability to get out in space is critical of defending Lamar, and that's two very important games that the Bengals will always have to play when Lamar Jackson eventually gets extended. So that, I mean, that's good news that he's back the the defense just feels like it's shaping up really really nicely um that's been one of my favorite things to watch from camp is just all of the things we're seeing yeah there's like there's no there's no like turnover necessarily like all of those guys are back and especially the guys who again missed a lot of time last year and injuries will always happen right there will be injuries 
this year for the defense that they have to overcome. But the fact that they were able to retain basically every important member aside from Larry Ogunjobi and then build off of that strength in terms of starters behind them now that they have depth, I feel like it's only grown in terms of, like, there's no real weak point, I guess, if if you want to say that. Speaking of weak points, we've got something on the board, and I... I had a lot of respect for the women over at um, Tigress Talk. Uh, I think they aired last night and they were like, we're not even going to talk about Deshaun Watson's uh, verdict. And they encouraged their listeners and viewers to make donations to local women's shelters. Uh, wherever wherever viewers or listeners are, and I I really admire that and would encourage folks to do that as well. So thank you. Uh, thank you to those women. So, John, what's your take on uh, what Judge Robinson did in her ruling on the six-game suspension? And that's six games, no fine, if I? Six games, no fine. Yeah. The money he loses are the six-game checks that he will not incur. So it's about 345000 out of the... 45 or 46 million he gets this year and then the 230 million that he gets guaranteed over the next five years so he misses a third of a season and maybe a fractal of his overall contract Deshaun Watson is the only winner out of this the Browns don't win the NFL doesn't win women in the NFL or just women in general don't win Bridget like no everyone knows that the NFL has always been lenient against people who commit Uh, sexual misconduct, sexual assault, even domestic abuse. We can throw that in there. Ray Rice got like two games. And the Ray Rice ruling that Goodell, Roger Goodell, Commissioner Roger Goodell ruled like 10 years ago, that was part of the reason, I think, or at least what Judge Robinson explained in her ruling that the NFL kind of, whenever they do like make attention towards these types of cases, it's mainly just for public outcry. Like I, I feel like she doesn't really believe that the NFL actually cares and this ruling, to me, or it, literally in her own words, it's like almost despite the NFL's incompetence in handling handling these things. But the most confusing thing to me is that, yes, there is a whack precedent that the NFL has in dealing with these cases. And it's always been too lenient, especially compared to like marijuana. And, and now we have gambling in, in the mm-hmm. forefront of things. But the NFL was trying to set a new precedent for something that was even for their standards, unprecedented behavior for one of their stars. They wanted a complete year-long or even indefinite suspension. They wanted heavy fines because his actions are inexcusable. And the judge proved or determined that it was more likely than not that he committed those acts for the the, the mere four cases that she was presented out of the over 20 lawsuits and over 60 people that have come out and said something against Deshaun Watson. And I, I don't understand, like, she's there as an independent arbiter to rule something regardless of the precedent that the NFL set, but she decided to use the NFL's terrible precedent to hand out a six-game suspension because no one has ever been suspended longer than six games for some type of sexual assault or sexual misconduct case. This was the time to establish a new precedent under the new system that the the NFL and the NFL Players Association agreed upon two years ago with the CBA. It was a complete misstep by the judge, and there's no excuse why the NFL shouldn't appeal it. 
Yeah, one of the things I found really interesting are sort of, I, I don't know if they're Browns fans or fans of sexual misconduct, I'm not quite sure, who are saying there's, well, there's no evidence. There, there's been, no, or women lie, and it, it's been fascinating when there's very clearly evidence, and I, I think the Houston Texans having, like, a standard NDA that massage therapists have to sign and so much consistency in the women's stories. So I, I think it's incredibly surprising, but you're absolutely right. When someone gets uh, seven game suspension for targeting another player, which I know is a can be a deadly injury, um, and so not discounting the severity of that, but this is, I mean, this is multiple women. Um, and it's, it, it's interesting. So, the, what the commissioner has what three days to yeah. appeal? Is that right? And, he, that, and he now is two. What, right. I was going to say the clock is ticking, but it's really interesting because um, I had to ask the commissioner a question the night before day one of the draft. When was it May, April? I don't know. Whenever that was, uh, a few months ago. And one of the things I asked was what his vision was or what he thought, you know, in the next five to ten years he could do or the league could do to make the, the game more equitable. I mean, women make up about 50 percent and 48 percent of the NFL fan base. We're seeing more women on the sidelines. We're seeing women actually on the field as referees. We're seeing women in the front office for teams. And when I was at the draft, the number of women who are actually working for the league is rising and we're seeing women in leadership roles. And so I asked, you know, what are you doing to make the the league more equitable? What are you doing to put women in positions of power to create those pathways? And I got, you know, what you'd imagine is a fairly canned response, but it was, you know, women can do anything and I have daughters and a what and you know, I I feel like this is sort of his opportunity to lean into, you know, what he said. He was sitting next to a female moderator and he said something about like, you know, I'm sitting next uh, next to the next commissioner and no, no woman is going to ever be able to sit in that chair if this is the precedent that um, we're either continuing or in some ways these things set new precedents. Um, for the sort of devaluation of it, what women say or what women experience. So it's certainly, I mean, it's just, it's disappointing. Um, but, you know, I, I was it Trey Hendrickson, I felt, who gave like a tiny bit of shade um, in his, someone asked him yesterday in the locker room, like, you know, did you, did you hear about this? And he's like, I mean, yeah, of course. And <laughs> like, we'll see him out on the field, you know, we'll see him twice. And we'll, I, I feel like it, he had a version of, we'll let him know what we thought about it. So um, I got a, I got a little bit of a kick out of that, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely disappointing, and I hope the commissioner um, has good people in his ear and telling him, like, it, it's time to do better. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the only way that they can appeal and have it be done successfully is if they do so by saying that there's clear evidence towards a longer suspension, and, we, and that's the reason why we disagree with this decision. 
And the judge literally explained that, yes, like, Watson is pretty much guilty according to the evidence that the NFL has provided. Like, she found that with, within her own findings. Like, there is enough evidence to hand out the suspension. The only reason why she didn't do it is because there was no precedent for a, a longer suspension compared relative to these acts. Because the NFL, again, has always done a terrible job of actually caring about women or providing women equitable justice for some of these things that happened to them. So, again, it never made, it didn't make sense to me with her reasoning, and there's complete and clear logic for the NFL to proceed with an appeal. And the only reason why they won't, that why they won't do it, is if, is if, is if they don't want this to drag out any longer than it has. But again, if they are for real about what they feel about this and why where their, their, their conviction lied in having a longer suspension, then they will take the effort to actually do so. Well, I think, I mean, the, the, the victims deserve to be seen and heard, um, but I think Deshaun Watson doesn't deserve any more of our time. Um, Fair enough. I, I think that's... I think everybody knows our takes, John. We've been, I think, talking about it since... Mm, I don't know, May, spray. I don't know, for a very long time. Um, and it is what it is until it's something different, and hopefully we'll see something different. So on that note, <laughs> um, we are back together again, John and I, the sanest people on the show. Um, but the Hootay Nation was also back together for Back Together Sunday and, or Saturday. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, I was flying home on Saturday and actually got back to Cincinnati on Sunday. Uh, but for Back Together Saturday, um, and I missed the event and I was so sad because, John, like you said, your first time back last year, the Back Together Saturday event was my first time being back in the stadium after the pandemic and I, or in the midst of the pandemic, yeah. I guess we should say safely back. Um, I know we're still in the midst of the pandemic right now. Um, and it, I kind of stole everything I'm just going to say off of Twitter since I couldn't be there. Um, and everyone was so kind to post and share the energy and the excitement and Joe Mixon did the selfie video, and I mean, he said it best, the Bengals have the best fans in the entire world, and I want to make sure I get this number right, 28,283 fans showed up. It's incredible. Um, John and I have both been to training camp events in the last decade or so. John, I think you many more than that but that's uh my there were about 28 record. the last time i was there yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like you could really get your you could sprawl out really get your uh get your pick of seats um and so that's amazing i uh if i remember correctly someone on twitter said the reds have only had that attendance at four games this season so um, that's where fans have gone, I think, uh, to the Bengals, uh, to the Bengals stadium. And I think we're going to see just tremendous turnout for both preseason games. And then once the, um, once the season starts, so fans got to see that, uh, really crisp white helmet, um, got to see the Lamar Hunt trophy, 
Um, but most importantly, John, I don't know if you saw this, I feel like social media went crazy in the final moments of uh, Back Together Saturday with that Evan McPherson 65-yard field goal. Shooter's leg is looking good. Um, So Back Together Saturday, I think, was a tremendous predictor of what we're going to see from the Houday Nation. And I just wanted to share, because I couldn't be there, I was with everybody in spirit, and I don't know... Courtney, if someone had, I think I uh, shared a photo. I wasn't, um, I don't know if it's there. Uh, I couldn't be with our Cincinnati crowd, but I was able to meet an amazing Bengals fan named Scott Gibb. I think some of our uh, listeners or viewers may know him. Scott uh, is a bartender um oh no so we don't have the photo i'll tweet it out um scott lives in edinburgh scotland and we met up with him scott has the cincinnati skyline uh tattooed on his arm has the amazing bengals b tattooed on his calf um so i got to spend the evening with him and i believe he knows more about cincinnati than i do but um it felt really incredible to just have the Houday nation spread far and wide um even across the pond so wanted to give a shout out to scott and scott will be in cincinnati i think a little later this season um and i think he has even offered to come on the show uh, though it'll be twelve thirty in the morning his time at, at some point this season scott um, scotland how about that isn't that great yeah um so uh it's it's just tremendous to, to see that the fan base and how everybody's stepping up. Yeah, like we've had we've had Bengals UK guests come on here before, and they're one of the more knowledgeable fans that I think we've ever had on the show. And I think in general, I, I feel like being over there and not having like as as easy access to all the content that we kind of take for granted. I feel like they kind of leverage it a little bit more, and I think. You know, soccer in itself, because it's it's bigger over there than here. I feel like that's a game where you know a lot of Americans don't really understand it, and I feel like I, I, I don't know. I just feel like for people who don't grow up with football, maybe, and and their propensity to kind of pick it up and learn it, they're a little bit more dedicated and they're a little bit more a little more intellectual with how they, they they talk it. So I always appreciate talking to anyone with Bengals UK or just anyone outside of. Uh, the country or just the general Cincinnati area in general who are passionate about the Bengals because they, they really care and they really know their stuff and they really take the time to research and all. So they're very appreciative of all those guys. Well, Paul at Bengals UK, another shout out to him. He sent me the kindest list of recommendations over there. So if fans are headed over to Great Britain, um, check out our fans over there because they are the most hospitable and kind group of people you could ever want to hang out with. Yeah. Well, I sent an invite to basically, like, total coincidence here, I sent an invite to all the Bengals UK members to come on to the show, which is why we have surprise guests at the bottom, but I don't believe any of them got back to me again. It is 3.30 in the morning over there. I kind of forgot to account for that. So they're probably all sleeping. I've blown up their phones a lot. They'll, they'll get those notifications in the morning. So 
We're, we I like to go to the pubs. Yeah, we're, we're, we're 0 for 7 on the guests tonight, but regardless, we go on. We went on, and I think that's going to wrap up our show for the night, Courtney. But for anyone out there, thank you for watching uh, on YouTube. Thank you for watching After the Fact. Thank you for watching live on Brinks.tv. Definitely check them out. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. But subscribe to our Patreon, you know, patreon.com slash dhsports. We're, we're coming out with merch. We, we already have a merch design. Uh, hit us up on, on Winnow. Ask me some questions. Ask Bridget some questions. Ask the puppets some questions whenever they get time when they're coming back from Taiwan. But Bridget, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I will talk to you next week. See you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.